Well, good morning. Uh, we're continuing the sermon series we kicked off this fall, looking at some of the parables of Jesus. And, and I always thought that that short parable that was just read is kind of an odd one. I mean, you have this, this, this pers- persistent widow who just nags and nags and nags, and you've got this judge who seems to be hard-hearted. What is, why did Jesus tell this parable? What does it have to, to do with us as we live our lives? Well, let's start by looking at both characters. You have the, the widow. And now, um, widows back in Jesus' day were a little bit different than widows today. Uh, widows back then were totally dependent upon being joined to a man for any sort of rights or opportunities. And apparently this woman, woman not only has she lost her, her husband, but she has no one to go to bat for her. I mean, you notice that? There's no, no child, no son, no neighbor, nobody to go to bat for her. Just She's by herself, and her only recourse is to go to this judge. And the judge, the other character, we look at him and right away we don't like him, you know. You, you look at this guy and he, uh, he seems to be very hard-hearted. And we hear two things about him right from the start. It says in Luke 18, first it says he has absolutely no fear of God. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't believe in God. He, if there is a God, he's not relevant. He has no fear of God. The second thing we hear about him that explains his attitude to a certain degree is that he has no respect for his fellow human beings. He doesn't care about them. So people come into his courtroom and he doesn't have any compassion. He doesn't have any sort of a considerations for the background or the struggles or the needs. They're simply there in a sense just to, to amuse him. He's free to use his courtroom to do whatever he wants. He makes up justice on the spot. Just depending on how he's feeling that day. People in his courtrooms are just interruptions, their problems, their headaches. He just wants to get through this. And so some days you just kind of say, okay, I'm not going to hear that course, that case, that court, that case today. It gets thrown through a, a never ending cycle of paperwork. And people get tired of waiting, tired of the situation, tired of things never ch- changing, tired of not being heard. Doesn't it sometimes feel that way in life? You take a difficult situation, an illness or a trauma, a relationship problem, some sort of grief, and it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, that you are kind of in a hold, and there's just kind of spinning your wheels, not moving forward, not going backwards. Things aren't getting better. Does it feel like that sometimes? I mean, you look around the world, maybe you're not going through that, but certainly there are a lot of people who are. And the question that we want to ask sometimes is, How can a person survive the pain when there seems to be no relief in sight? Well, that's exactly the issue that Jesus confronts in this parable. Let me explain. The question, how can we survive the difficulties of life with our faith intact? Jesus asked that question at the end. And how do we keep going when things get really hard? So as we look at this parable today, we're going to look at three different insights that kind of help to address those questions in that issue. The first is in this parable, Jesus helps us to understand where we are, okay? In other words, the the situation that we live in, the world in which we live. Now, let me explain. Right before Jesus shares this parable, what happens in Luke 17? Well, if you look in Luke 17, about halfway down, it says that there's some... some, um, Pharisees, some religious leaders, and they come to Jesus. That's actually at the beginning of the chapter. No, middle, verse 20. Some people come to him and they say, when is the kingdom of heaven going to come? When's it going to happen? 
You say you're the Messiah. We think you're the Messiah. People say you're the Messiah. We're not sure about that. We're kind of skeptical. So when is this kingdom going to happen? Now, we throw this phrase kingdom of God around a lot in church. And you might say, what exactly is this? I'll give you some in a nutshell. The kingdom of God is what we experience when God is in charge. Okay, when the world operates like God is in charge, when God is on his throne, that's what the kingdom of God is. And Jesus said, you know, I've come and already the kingdom of God has begun. And he says this in verse 21, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So Jesus says, I have come and begun to set things right. I'm healing people. People are being forgiven. It's the, it's the now of the kingdom. It's the now. There's a not yet part as well, though. The, the kingdom of God is now, but not yet. So the now of the kingdom is Jesus is healing people and forgiving people. But then we look around the world. It's not always that way, right? People still get sick. People die. People get old. Relationships break apart. Injustice seems to get the upper hand way too often. Let's be honest. Sometimes our prayers seem to go unanswered. And sometimes faith seems more like a fairy tale than a reality. That's the not yet of the kingdom. So where do we, what do we do when we live in the now but the not yet? Well, often people will then question God, don't they? Why has God allowed this to happen? Why is it, doesn't this change? And when that happens, we tend to go to places of doubt. That's what Jesus is trying to answer with this, this parable. He's dealing with a seeming contradiction between the fact that the kingdom of God is already here. It's a reality. It's been started. Jesus said so. We see evidence of people's lives being changed. That's the now. But there's also the reality that things are still a mess, that things aren't always done according to God's will. There's the now, but the not yet of the kingdom of God. At the, uh, towards the end of chapter 17 in Luke, right before Jesus tells this parable, he's trying to explain to the, the Pharisees about what the kingdom of God is about, what it looks like. And he, he compares the time, uh, their time to the time of Noah and, and the flood, which would have been several centuries before Jesus lived, many, many centuries before we live today. And Jesus says that, you know, God told Noah to build an ark. God's going to start over. The world is evil and wicked. There's lots of chaos and, and things are horrible. And God tells Noah, I'm going to start over. I'm going to wash things away and start new. And so Noah begins to build the ark. But as we look back in the story, Noah has to wait decades Decades before he sees God's plan begin to click into place and, and God make things right. Now, I don't know you, but I have a hard time waiting. I'm a pretty patient guy, but I don't like to wait. Nobody likes to wait. For instance, this past month, I went in to get my driver's license renewed. Those past six years just zoomed by, you know. And I have, to, I have to legally drive with glasses now. I didn't have to before, so it's kind of a bummer. But I, I walked in, I tried to time it so that I could go in when it wasn't busy. You know, nobody likes to wait, kind of stereotype of you walk into the you know, DMV and you wait forever. But I showed up and I thought it was a good time. There's still like 20 people in the room. I'm thinking, oh, no, how long am I going to be here? And it went pretty quickly. It was actually only about 30 minutes. But I found myself getting really impatient. I would check the time. I would try to count the number of people in front of me. 
We don't like waiting. Noah had to wait decades. People woke up and went to work. People were born. People died. I'm sure Noah had to have been confused or frustrated or impatient as he waited. Describes us, doesn't it? That's why we can relate to this widow. She's in a tough spot. A victim of injustice. No relief in sight. And she's tired of it. Can she carry on? That's why Luke introduces the parable by telling us the problem that the parable is meant to address. The tendency, the temptation we have to lose heart and be discouraged while we live in this not yet of the kingdom of God. Now, I used to think that Luke was speaking about the discouragement that we experience in our prayer lives. You know, sometimes praying doesn't come easily. Maybe it does for you, but it doesn't always come easily, right? But, and it certainly speaks to that, but I think there's more. I think Jesus is talking about this discouragement that we face in everyday life when things get hard and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And the danger to do this is so real that Jesus finishes this parable by asking a question. Do you see what he has to say? However, when the Son of Man comes, he's talking about a second coming. When I come back, will, will I find faith on the earth? In other words, Jesus knows that life is really tough and it can knock, the, knock your faith out of you. So how do we keep going when it's so hard and we're tempted to give up? The first thing is we need to realize it's going to be hard. The, the, the kingdom of God hasn't been fully realized yet. So don't be surprised. But there's more. In this parable, Jesus helps us to understand what God is like. His character. Now, a lot of times when people read this parable, sometimes they instantly think that, okay, the widow, that must be us. And the judge, that must be God. We're supposed to be persistent in prayer. We've got to keep, keep going at it, keep coming back to God, nagging him, nagging him, pleading, begging. And then finally he'll, you know, we, maybe you show our faith by doing that and God will answer our prayers. Now, we are to be persistent in our prayers. Yes, we are to consistently bring our, thing, our problems to God or not to give up. But, but, but God is not the judge in this parable. I mean, this, this, this judge doesn't respect God, doesn't fear God, doesn't respect people. He's great, ungracious, he's merciless, he's unjust. But in the end, what happens? The widow gets what she's asking for. But not because he's good. Not because he cares, but because she's an inconvenience. She's a bother. She's a constant noise in his ear, and he wants to get her off his back. So God is not the judge in this parable. The problem is, though, sometimes we might think that way about God, because we have this, this innate tendency, it's called our sin nature, where we tend to doubt God's goodness and tend to doubt his faithfulness. I mean, the heart of our rebellion against God is we aren't sure he's good, right? We aren't sure we can trust him. Paul Tripp says this, In moments of suffering, it's tempting to allow yourself to doubt the goodness of God. You'll reason with yourself that somehow, way, this moment of suffering is evidence that God is less than who he has depicted himself to be. We doubt. And, and here's why doubt is such a deadly trap. 
I mean, as soon as we begin to question the character of God, what do we do? We stop going to him as consistently for help. I mean, why would you go to someone that you don't trust? Why would you go to someone that you don't think is good? You know, maybe that's why we sometimes struggle to pray. So the point of Jesus' parable is not that we should think of God as this unjust judge. That's the opposite of the point of this story. The point of this story is that God is nothing like this unjust judge. It's a, it's a reverse. It's a negative contrast. Listen to verse 7. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Jesus is saying that when you become God's child, we don't have to wonder about whether he cares for us. We don't have to wonder about whether he hears our prayers. We don't have to wonder what he thinks of us, if he's disappointed in us. We don't have to wonder if he will give us justice. We have to be patient, yes. There are times we're going to ask questions, yes. But we can be confident that God hears us, that he cares for us, that God is for us. So God is not like the unjust judge at all. And Jesus says, he does the contrast thing again. He says, even sometimes we get justice from unexpected places. Sometimes an unjust, bad person will give us what we want just because they want to get us off their back. And Jesus says, how much more will a loving, gracious father hear you and answer you. This is why Luke says we are to pray. Because if we really believe that God cares about us and our struggles and our mess, that he's good, he's eager to hear from us, then we will come to him constantly. Whether a messy, honest, and struggling life. There's a great book on prayer called A Praying Life. And it says this, the criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. Come overwhelmed with life. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. What does it mean to be weary? You're overwhelmed. You can't concentrate. Your mind wanders. You feel pummeled by life. Jesus wants us to come to him that way. We don't have to try to get our prayers perfect. That's performance-based. God wants us to relate to him honestly to tell him what's on his, our minds. That's what little kids do, right? When you have little kids, they just run to you, runny noses and all, mommy, daddy, this is what's going on, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I need. Like the disciples, they just say what's on their minds. When we get honest about our lives with God and, and we understand how much he, he loves us and cares for us, it changes and transforms our prayer life, which may be the only thing that keeps us going when things get really tough. So, so far we've seen in the story uh, the insight into our times. We live in the now, but not yet. And we've looked into God's character. Now, Jesus reminds us of who we are. Because sometimes we feel like a widow, vulnerable. Nobody's on our side. Don't know where to turn. Barely hanging on. But Jesus reminds us that we are nothing like this widow. The widow is helpless. Nobody's there to defend her. God is our defender. God is our fortress. God is our help. 
The widow has no husband. She has no family. She's all alone. We're a part of God's family. He loves us. His heart is for us. We will never be alone. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. The widow faces insurmountable odds. She's not sure she's going to get justice. But those of us who are children of God have the assurance that God will give us justice in the end. So Jesus tells this parable in part because we tend to forget who we are. We're not like the widow. We're not helpless. God knows us and we are his. So do you have a problem? Bring it to Jesus because he's interested. Do you have a problem? Bring it to Jesus because he is able. Scripture says God is able, that nothing is impossible with him. He raised his son from the dead. He created the universe. God is able. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, present your request to God. So let them be known. Let God know what's going on in your life. Take heart. Don't give up. Pray. Keep praying. Because God hears, God cares, and God has got this, and God has got you. Let's pray. Father, we come into your presence and we are grateful that you are God in whom we can trust. That you're nothing like this, Judge, that you are caring, that you are loving and compassionate, that you intervene for us, that we can trust you. Lord, we live in the now, but not yet. And so sometimes it can be discouraging. But Lord, help us to keep faith, to keep the faith, to take heart, and to keep on praying because you're good, because you love us, and because you're for us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.